Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
featuring the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's Biggest Trump Supporters. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega.
everybody. Thank you for listening to the Rory Sauter Show. This is Rory Sauter. Happy Friday. Great to be with you. It is such a... I think this has been probably one of the busiest news weeks uh, in political in, in, in the political realm for a long, a long time. There is no doubt about it. We last with, with you on Wednesday, and that was a, was a huge show. Um, I mean, I had a whole thing, you know, a whole list of stuff uh, that I didn't even get to, um, you know, that was uh, that, that went on this week that was very pivotal and important. Um, as you know, we had a great interview with uh, Tom Morrissey the other night, wrote a book with uh, Steven Seagal, uh, just a great guy, very genuine, very down-to-earth, very intelligent. He has a novel of a resume of a background, and just a, he's lived the life, I tell you. It's, uh, there's nothing that guy has not done. I mean, it's quite something. Um, we loved having him on the show, uh, and we got a lot of good uh, feedback from viewers uh, about Tom Morrissey coming on the show. They loved him on the show. Uh, we're going to have him back very soon. Um, as you guys know as well, I'll make a quick announcement. Joe Arpaio, Sheriff Joe, will be back on the show on Tuesday. I know you guys loved having him on here a few weeks ago, and he is he is the best of the best, the greatest of the greatest. Um, and we got so much to talk to him about as well. Um, I hope you guys have had a, a good week. I, uh, you know, it's Friday. It feels good. Uh, it's always a relief when the weekend approaches, as we all know. Um, breaking news, though, which I'm, I'm like, ecstatic about. Like, I'm jumping up and down. Like, this is like an adrenaline rush. The U.S. has confirmed that they, had, they have fired missiles uh, in Syria, completely destroyed one of the airports, um, one of their main airports. And it's it literally, the U.S. is sending a message right now. They are sending a message. There is no messing around. I mean, this, this, is, this is like, I mean, Trump has giant brass balls. I said it from day one. The guy is a miracle worker. He's a machine. He's bulletproof. And he, if he has to go to war and he has to prove who's going to win and show who's going to win, so be it. We're looking at it right now. We're looking at him backing up his words, too. We remember the wimpy Democrats the other day. Oh, Trump better follow through with those tweets saying he was going to go after uh, Syria and Assad and uh, take care of Russia. Well, look what, look what he's doing a couple days later following through, just like he has every other time. Trump has never gone back on anything. He's always stuck with his word. And this whole, this, this missile thing in Syria is sending a huge, huge message. This is, um, you know, this is something that we are, I mean, this is, this is a whole new um, level of, um, I mean, we are in something, we are going into something, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just like, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible because this is finally going to be dealt with the right way. 
we all know Obama did it totally the wrong way. And Obama, you know, could have gotten, you know, took, taking, care of, taking care of Syria. He could have dealt with it, but he didn't. He enabled Syria, and he enabled all the, all the horrific acts. And, you know, Syria, and Syria look, where, look what we have to do. We have to take care of Obama's mess. Trump warned us three, four years ago. Go look on his Twitter from 2013. He warned Barack Hussein Osama about going into Syria. He said, you go into Syria, you are going to divide the Middle East, Obama. He said this in 2013 on his Twitter, Donald Trump. It's almost like he predicted the future. And now, look where we are five years later. We are going to war and going to... You know what Donald Trump does? You know what Donald Trump does? He finishes wars. He finishes the battle. He finishes the deal. Unlike our past presidents, unlike our past leaders who are incompetent, Donald J. Trump closes the deal. Donald J. Trump shits down people's necks. If, 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 they, if, they, if they do anything the wrong way, Trump is, a, is as good of a patriot as they get in this. We have never seen a leader fight so hard for our country. It's unbelievable the amount of dedication and passion our president puts in on a daily basis. He sleeps five hours and he's back up doing what's right for the American people. And you see all these leaders now, all around the world, respecting us, respecting us because of Trump. Did they respect us when we had Barack Hussein Osama? Did they respect us when Barack Hussein Osama was in office? All these world leaders? No. They took advantage. But with Trump, with Trump, they all want to come together. They all want to negotiate. They all want to be our friends because they know Trump's not messing around and he's setting a firm line. And Assad and Syria were warned many times. And so was Russia. They're a part of this. They're a part of this too with what's going on. And you know what? Hey, Democrats, liberal, liberal, you whack job. Where the hell are you saying troops, uh, Trump's uh, collusion with Putin? Basically, Trump and Putin are enemies right now. Where, where, where's the, come on, come out, Democrats. Come say something. I thought they were best friends. You guys were painting murals on walls of them sucking each other's dicks. They're definitely not doing that right now. They, they, they can't stand each other. They're at war right now. And even Trump said in his speech tonight, Hopefully someday we can become friends with Russia, but they cannot back this animal, Assad, in Syria. I mean, and that's what's going on. I mean, really. Uh, we got a caller. Uh, Steve. Steve Emery, Bikers for Trump. Roy, how are you, my man? How you doing, man? I'm sure you've been listening. Yeah, watching Chairman uh, here with the uh... – Mad Dog Matt is doing a press conference. Man, I'm so, I'm so, I can't tell you how safe I feel. Uh, safety, an internal safety of, of 
being an American that I just haven't felt in decades. Amen, I feel, I feel man. Like, I can sleep well at night. God, I'm just I'm so proud of this. And listen, you know, all these people, uh, you know, telling them to, you know, drop bombs, I mean, right after the first hours of the reports of the chemical weapon attack in Syria, listen, he knows exactly what he's doing. What does he do? He gets verification. He gets confirmation from intelligence, and then he gets our allies on board. He knows exactly what he's doing. I, I just, this guy's a machine, man. I love him. He really is. He really is a machine. It's and it's so profound. Like he does it his own way. He has his own strategy. He has his own formula. He has his own. It's his own model. Perfect. He's never let us down yet. He's fulfilled every single promise. And they even did a report. He's fulfilled seventy percent of his promises within one year. Seventy seven zero. And let me tell you something. Most presidents don't even fulfill. 20% or 10% of their promises when they're out of office after eight years. Yeah, there's a new sheriff in town, and, and you know, I, I've never seen anything like this. You know, I've, I'm, I've, I've got some age on me, too. You know, I've been around for 52 years. Uh, yeah. Not since Reagan have I seen anything even come close to the patriotism, the unwavering loyalty to our Constitution. The, the passion to keep our citizens safe, like I see in this president, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Oh, it, abso- it absolutely is. It, it truly is. Um, I mean, it, I'm literally, those... hey, Roy, Roy, I am literally, I mean, proud right now for more than I've ever felt in my entire life to be American, to be an American under Trump. I just, I went, I went shopping earlier today, and, and I parked next to this car. And, uh, you know, I drive a full-size truck with my trunk sticker on the back window, and I, I pulled yeah. into the grocery store, and the truck next to me had a big Trump sticker, and uh, I put a Fikers for Trump uh, brochure on their window, and it's just it's spreading, man. This Trump train, it is flowing, it is moving, it is growing. The momentum is so strong. The the feeling of energy behind Trump right now is just it's it's amazing. It feels good internally. You can feel it. You can feel it. Oh, you really can. And the mo, you're absolutely right. And it's a movement like never seen before. We've never seen this sort of fan base. We've never seen this sort of fan club. I mean, to this extent. I mean, it's not even close. And we've got that IG report that came out on McCabe today. Destroyed him verification, substantiated evidence of exactly why he was fired. Completely confirmed, right thing to do. You will not hear from him again. <laughs> His lawyers were out on TV yesterday. I don't think you're going to hear from them anymore. <laughs> oh, he's in big. I, love I mean, it. we're we're going to we're going to be talking about that. Uh, you know, he's in he's... sessions is next and then Mueller. Oh yeah. Oh, it's coming. It really is, and here and here here's the thing. Here's the thing about it is that um, with you, with with all these with all these revelations, you know, it's all going to come back to backfire on all of them. There's Absolutely, one hundred percent. One hundred. There's so much that's 
there's so much that's coming out, um, and, and we have. I mean, and, you know, it, it's it, it's one of those things where he lied three times under oath. Andrew McCabe. Yeah, and that's at, why he was fired. And we're out of three, and we're at a we're at a point now where even the establishment rhinos, they will be forced to start getting behind this president. You know, they've yeah. all been trying since he's been elected to go against the flow, thinking that tyranny and these rhinos and these globalists were going to prevail. And guess what they're finding out this week? They're not. They are not going to prevail. Well, here, here's, another, here's another couple of clues for you and for the audience is that he, what, what, what's, going, what's really going on is in the, yesterday Rosenstein did not attend a meeting uh, he was supposed to be attending, and he was meeting privately with Trump. And everybody, the rumor is Rosenstein is about to get the boot. Um, yep. And you know, it's it's coming. I think it's going to be coming uh, uh, over over the weekend or early next week. Yeah, be announcing sessions, it. man. Good riddance. Yep. Yep. Word on the street: Good sessions is getting the boot too. And 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 you know. And they're everybody, the Democrats are crying why Andrew McCabe was fired. And all this stuff comes out today. He lied under oath three times. I mean, that's enough right there. I mean, there's much more he did, but just right there, lying under oath three times. Not once, not twice, three times. And it's also Can you the believe people that? he surrounds himself Yeah, it's also the people he surrounds himself with. You know, all of them collectively – are so corrupt and guilty of so much federal crimes, whether it's leaking classified information, lying under oath, it's, it's like the whole club is going down. And if, if you're part of it, you're going down too. And now they're trying to give all this, you know, Mike Pompeo's in there and you, you got all this, you know, this um, the drama with him. They're asking him ridiculous questions. Uh, I'm going to pull up a clip in a second of Cory Booker obsessed with that. He's obsessed with asking him about gay sex. He asked him three times. I don't know what the, what the fascination is with Cory Booker. He, I mean, he does walk weird, but here, here's the thing. I mean, you got to, you got to hear this guy. Cory Booker's asking Pompeo totally irrelevant questions and totally trying to go against what, like if Pompeo has a certain belief because of his faith, that's Pompeo's business. That has nothing to do with anything that goes on. And I'm sick of Democrats always going Corey after Booker's people's faith. Corey a puppet. You know that. Corey yeah, Booker's, no, but, but, Booker's a puppet. But we, yeah, absolutely. But we've seen Democrats go after faith all the time when a new Republican comes in. That's one of the first things they go after when, uh, you know, uh, vetting someone to come in for, you know, like, like what Pompeo's doing, to uh, a job to come into the administration. It's ridiculous. Well, I think the tide's really uh, and taking a strong turn. I think the tide's taking a strong turn in our favor since uh, Bolton and Pompeo uh, got on the team. Because you know what? It's on now, man. Pompeo, man, oh, what is. a badass. Bolton, what a badass. I mean, it is on now. Awesome they are loyal to Trump. Awesome they are loyal to Trump. Oh, yeah. Man, it's on now. Hey, get on board it's or on, get run over. <laughs> I say it all the time. I got a meme. I got a meme I use on Facebook that's got a picture of the, 
of a, a train and I say, hey, get on board or get run over, and that's where it is. It's so true. It's so true. It's absolutely true. And here, and here's the thing about it. it it's, people are, are seeing, uh, you know, there was a poll out today saying, um, uh, I, I, you know, there was a poll out today saying that most young people trust Trump more than the mainstream media. And it was done by a Harvard poll. So it was a very accurate, <laughs> uh, reliable uh, poll. And, I mean, there's just sign, there's one sign right there. Yeah, there's some there's some okay polls out. The overwhelming majority of polls are are are, are no good. They're they're credible. But you know, when you're dealing with polls like Harvard and Rasmussen, you know, there's a couple polls out there that you know you can rely on. And you know what? They're all pointing in Trump's favor, whether it's its rate approval or the poll you just described. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, the momentum the momentum is so strong right now, it won't be stopped. It can't be stopped. This is a movie. It really this is can't. something I've never seen. It's incredible. America's back, baby. Like never seen before. And when Trump says that, he's right. Like never seen before. You know what I mean? Who you got? Yeah, absolutely. Who you got on the show tonight, brother? Uh, we had a lot of good people calling in. Um, we have tonight. We have the uh, business executive and author of uh, a new book, "Conventions That Made America." It's by it's by Michael W. Capix, and he'll be calling in to discuss all about it with us. Great book. It gives a lot of insights. Makes a lot of good points. Um, we will also be having uh, Josh Bernstein on tonight. Host of the Josh Bernstein Show, Josh. very popular, very popular yeah, talk he's show. Amazing. And uh, Mike I love Zola the Josh will, Bernstein Show. Yep, Mike Zola will be calling in, and we'll also be having my friend James Sharma call in. So we got we got some good stuff uh, happening tonight. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a lot of it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to everybody being here. Um, and uh, I wanted to hey, play hey, you, hey Roy. Hey Roy, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to congratulate you on your success. I'm really excited yeah. for you. I can't tell you how proud I am of you. The Roy Sauter show has just been so amazing since you kicked it off. Uh, I just really wanted to congratulate you on your success and the quality of guests you have on. It's just really amazing. Uh, thank you for your patriotism. I wanted to give you a quick update. We have bombed a scientific research center in Syria that is developing uh, chemical weapons, uh, site number one that was bombed, site number two that was bombed. We have bombed a chemical weapons storage facility uh, in Syria that is used to store chemical weapons. Uh, site number three, a second chemical storage uh, holding facility. So we've we bombed a research center, a development center of chemical weapons, and at this point, two uh, storage facilities of chemical weapons in Syria with our partners, uh, the Brits and, and, and Emmanuel Macron uh, and, and the French military. Okay, you're, you're always great at giving the show updates, man. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. So, I mean, we're taking over. I mean, we're sending a message. I mean, they're, they, I bet you see, Hassan is scared to death right now. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he is. He thought he thought you know what he thought, Rory, is he thought uh with Iran and, and with Russia and, and his new buddies that uh he what he really thought is that we had another Obama in the White House. He hung, didn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, he, he really thought, did. Uh, he thought he thought Trump was bluffing. Yep. Yeah. He really surprise, did. surprise. Yeah. Oh surprise, yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. We got a real leader now. Hey, we got a real leader now, world. Yeah, we do. We absolutely it. do. I love it. And uh, I want to. I want to just uh, you know play a clip, you know, just from the Pompeo <clears throat> interrogation the other day. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like, listen to the question. Court. Like, listen to this quick soundbite. Kind of questions that these Democrats ask Pompeo. Totally irrelevant to his job. Listen to this. Is being gay a perversion? Senator, I, 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 when I was a politician, I had a very clear view on uh, whether it was appropriate for two same-sex persons to marry. I stand by that. So, you, so it's, you do not believe it's appropriate for two gay people to marry? Senator, I continue to hold that view. It's the same view. And for so the people that... in the State Department, I met some in <laughs> Africa, that are married under your leadership, you do not believe Jesus that that should Christ. be allowed? Senator, I, I, we have, I, I believe it's the case, we have married uh, gay couples at the CIA, you should know. I treated them with the exact same set of rights. You believe, that, you believe that gay sex is a perversion? Yes or no? Senator, if I, if I can... If yes or no, sir. Moment, do you believe that gay moment. sex is a perversion? Because it's, it's what you said here Senator, in one my, of your speeches. Yes or no, do you believe gay sex is a perversion? Senator, I, I, I'm going to give you the same answer I just gave you previously. My, my respect for every individual, regardless of their sexual orientation, is the same. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's so petty. It's so petty. It's absolutely so petty. I mean, the, the, the questions they can ask, uh, you know, these people, like, I mean, that's totally irrelevant to the job. Totally irrelevant. Well, you know, America's waking up. We talk about it all the time on this show. America's waking up um, at levels I've never seen before. It, it actually gets me excited to see the level of, yeah. of Americans now waking up to this indoctrinated far-left propaganda that's being spewed 24 hours a day by, by these leftists. Uh, they're waking up to the, the dysfunction involved with identity politics, which you just heard. You know, they're, they're waking up to the, the components uh, we speak about frequently on this show regarding Saul Alinsky's eight levels of control where you divide yeah. the, the, the straight from the gay, the rich from the poor, the black from the white, they're all starting to get it. They're, they're all starting to understand the socialist agenda and the components behind it. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, all these leftists that keep pushing these identity, identity politics and this gender orientation stuff, keep it up. Honestly, real everyday taxpaying Americans, they're sick of it. We're, we're they, sick don't of see, it. Yeah, they don't want to see that. No, they don't. And I'm like and anybody else. I'm like any other American. You know what? I don't give. I really don't care about your sexual orientation. But don't force <laughs> me to treat you special because I'm not going to. Don't don't. And all me to and, and, and the, yeah, and and all this stuff coming out about these people identifying as pink unicorns and you know uh, uh, giant whales or whether they're a Hispanic lesbian or however they identify. You got all these weird people that I, 
are white males, but they identify as a Hispanic pony or a or a, a whatever. I mean, there's some weird stuff I've heard. Um, I've heard uh, um, identify as a mermaid, identify as a it's as, crazy. As a, it's insane. It's it's mental illness. Liberalism's a mental disorder. <laughs> it really yeah, is. Yeah, it it, we, it really is. Got a it, white, it's something that it's fantasy land. It's out of a movie. It's out of a yeah, out of a fantasy movie. It's really it's really scary, but it, it's it's pretty funny because people are waking up. So you know, it's not going to last. I really don't think it is. Uh, the left have gone so far left that I don't think they're able to come back anymore. They've gone so far left. I don't think yep, they're going so to be far. able to. Yeah, they've they've lost their base. So what are they doing? They're trying to create a new base. What is it? Gays, transgenders, illegal aliens. Yeah. Um, yep. And yep. you know, it's just it's not going to work for them. So you know, God bless them. But I I hope I I hope hey. they keep on. I hope they keep on pushing this ridiculous propaganda. It's going to work in our favor. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and here here's uh, here's a clip I want to play. <clears throat> you know, we had a we had a very long good interview the other night, and there was some stuff on the um, agenda uh, that I didn't get a chance to get to, but I really want to play this clip. Uh, you know, so I didn't get really get get much of a chance to talk about Zuckerberg and his testimony, and you know, he he's a total scam artist, a liar. I mean, so smug. I mean, such a ju- justifies, gives constant excuses. He's just ridiculous, and he gets all these passes. It's, it's absurd. But And he also donates millions of dollars to a lot of these senators and people that were questioning him. There was a big report about it. But anyways, I really want to play this clip because Ted Cruz did a phenomenal job on asking all the right questions of why everyday Americans are concerned with you know, Facebook and this sort of privacy issue and why, you know, Facebook, you know, can't, can't violate some of the things they're doing. I mean, some of the things they're doing is uh, it's unethical. It's, it's against the law in certain aspects. If you look, if you actually look closely, uh, but he, I want I want you to hear this. I'm going to play this uh, clip one, four. It's like a four minute clip, but Cruz does a great job. All righty. And uh, play now. Mr. Zuckerberg, does Facebook consider itself a neutral public forum? Senator, we consider ourselves to be a platform for all ideas. Let me ask the question again. Does Facebook consider itself to be a neutral public forum? And representatives of your company have given conflicting answers on this. Are are you a First Amendment speaker expressing your views, or are you a neutral public forum allowing everyone to speak? uh, Senator, here's how we think about this. I don't believe that... uh, there is certain content that clearly we do not allow, right? Hate speech, terrorist content, um, nudity, anything that makes people feel unsafe in, in the community. Um, from that perspective, that's why we generally try to refer to what we do as a platform for all ideas. Let me try just because the time is constrained. It's just a, a simple question. The predicate for, for Section 230 immunity under the CDA is that you are a neutral public forum. Do you consider yourself a neutral public forum, or are you engaged in political speech, which is your right under the First Amendment? Well, Senator, our goal is certainly not to engage in political speech. I'm not that familiar with the specific legal language of the, the law that you, that you speak to, so I, I would need to follow up with you on that. I'm just trying to lay out how broadly I think about this. Well, Mr. Zuckerberg, I will say there are a great many 
Americans who I think are deeply concerned that, that Facebook and other tech companies are engaged in a pervasive pattern of bias and political censorship. Uh, there have been numerous instances with Facebook. In May of 2016, Gizmodo reported that Facebook had purposely and routinely suppressed conservative stories from trending news, including stories about CPAC, including stories about Mitt Romney, including stories about the Lois Lerner IRS scandal, including stories about Glenn Beck. In addition to that, Facebook has initially shut down the Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day page, has blocked a post of a Fox News reporter, has blocked over two dozen Catholic pages, and most recently blocked Trump supporters Diamond and Silk's page with 1.2 million Facebook followers after determining their content and brand were, quote, unsafe to the community. To a great many Americans, that appears to be a pervasive pattern of political bias. Do you agree with that assessment? Senator, let me say a few things about this. Oh, First, I understand where that concern is coming from because Facebook and the tech industry are located in Silicon Valley, which is an extremely left-leaning place. And uh, I, this is actually a concern that I have and that I try to root out in the company is Liar. making sure that we don't have um, any bias in the work that we do. And I think it is a fair concern that um, that people would, so, would, so would me, at least wonder me, about. Let me ask this now, question. Are, are you aware of any ad or page that has been taken down from Planned Parenthood? Senator, I'm, I'm not, but let me just... Uh, how about moveon.org? Sorry? How about moveon.org? I'm not specifically aware of those. How about any Democratic candidate for office? I, I'm not specifically aware. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. In your testimony, you say that you have 15 to 20,000 people working on security and content review. Do you know the political orientation of those 15 to 20,000 people engaged in content review? Sure. Uh, no, Senator. We do not generally ask people about their political orientation when they're joining the company. So as CEO, have you ever made hiring or firing decisions based on political positions or what candidates they supported? No. Why was Palmer Lucky fired? That is a specific personnel matter that seems like it would be inappropriate. You to just made a here. specific representation that you didn't make decisions based on political views. Well, that I, can, I can commit that it was not because of a political view. Do you know of those 15 to 20,000 people engaged in content review? How many, if any, have ever supported financially a Republican candidate for office? Senator, I do not know that. Your testimony says it is not enough that we just connect people. We have to make sure those connections are positive. It says we have to make sure people aren't using their voice to hurt people or spread misinformation. We have a responsibility not just to build tools, to make sure those tools are used for good. Mr. Zuckerberg, do you feel it's your responsibility to assess users, whether they are good and positive connections or ones that those 15 to 20,000 people deem unacceptable or deplorable? Senator, are you asking about me personally? Facebook. Senator, I think that there are a number of things that we would all agree are clearly bad. Foreign interference in our elections, terrorism, uh, self-harm. I'm those talking are about things. censorship. Uh, well, I think that you would probably agree that we should remove terrorist propaganda from the service. So that, I, I agree, I think is, is clearly bad activity that we want to get down, and we're generally proud of, of how well we, we do with that. Now, what I can say, and, and, I, and I do want to get this in before the end here, is that I am I'm very committed to making sure that Facebook is a platform for all ideas. 
that is a, a very important founding principle of, of what we do. Like uh, we're proud of the discourse and the different ideas that people can share on the service. And that is something that as long as I'm running the company, I'm going to be committed to making sure is the case. I mean, can you believe that? Can you believe how, how he lies and justifies? And he's a sneaky little. Uh, there was the most worthless two days of questioning I've ever seen in my but life. But Ted Cruz nailed it there. Yeah, he nailed it. But the the rest of outside of one or two others, everybody else sugarcoated everything. I mean, it was a. I mean, the whole thing was a circus. That, that was it's ridiculous. It the really was. Course. That was a that's a kangaroo course. It, it, it's it's one of those things where, um, I, I mean, we already knew what was going to happen. Nothing was going to happen to Zuckerberg. You're just going to go in there, answer some questions, and that's it. Got an update on uh, the Syrian bombing. A Russian ambassador to the United States. Such such actions will not be left without consequences. End quote. All righty. Love it. I love it. And we have our guest. Um, we will have our guest, Michael W. Capick, be calling in any minute. A business executive and author of Conventions That Made America. Best-selling book right now, doing well. Wonderful, amazing. Yes, yeah, very yeah, excited. The audience, the Zuckerberg thing. I don't think anybody's, I don't think anybody's understanding exact, exactly how censored we are as conservatives. I know I am. I mean, I post some material that, you know, gets hundreds and hundreds of likes, and then I post other, you know, pro-Trump agenda material that maybe gets two or three, and that that's censorship. That's censorship, Roy. It's gangsterism. It's it's communism is what it really is. That's communism. Well, communism, gangsterism, it's all the same thing. Yeah, in a nutshell, it's communism. The the left the left has is resorted to communist tactics. Uh and that's Hey, I just hey, I just want to play this clip for you, Steve, real and everybody and all my audience real quick. Um so apparently Bannon has a plan to take down Mueller, and uh, it was reported today uh, from uh, CNN, but a bunch of every other outlet reported it. I'm going to play the short two-minute clip. Um, but it, it makes me wonder. It makes me curious. Uh, one four. Listen. Former Chief Strategist Steve Bannon, according to the Washington Post in a story that's just breaking, he's now pitching a plan to try to cripple the Russia probe. Step one, according to the report in the Washington Post, is firing Rod Rosenstein. Joining us now by phone is the Post's uh, Karun uh, Demersion. Karun, thanks so much for being with us. So explain your reporting. What exactly is Steve Bannon pitching to West Wing aides? Well, this is my colleague Bob Costa's story, and um, basically it's that he's pitching this plan that would be, that would be a way to um, pick apart the, 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 the Mueller probe, basically. Starting with Deputy Gen- Attorney General Brad Rosenstein, he's the person who has authority over Mueller's probe. He's also newly come back into Trump's crosshairs because he had to sign off on that search warrant to actually uh, raid the offices of Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen. And then another part of this plan that, that 
Bannon is pitching is that the White House stopped cooperating with the Mueller probe and start to exert, a, a, assert, excuse me, a rather broad interpretation of executive privilege that would even involve seemingly revoking some of the permissions given to our aides and others who have spoken to the special counsel's team already. Um, so he's basically saying the president should go to, to, to it basically into political warfare over this um, by both picking off um, a person that has been the, the top official at justice with authority to oversee all of the parameters of this probe and also um, refusing to play ball and in a pretty broad uh, sense of, of, of with an executive privilege indication that would cover more than just himself. Is there any indication that the president or anyone on his team is, is listening to Bannon or inclined to listen to Bannon? It seems like where he is right now is he's in, the, he's in the stage of trying to corral allies to push this. Certainly that we've seen over the last few days that the president is itching to do something and not comfortable with the situation as it is. We see him issuing new statements almost every day. Um, but it seems like the president is reticent to quite take this step. And as it says in the piece, it's, it's, it's struck people like Bannon that maybe he's a nudge in that direction. They can provide that by by laying out this plan, which they think that they, it could actually work. But again, remember, Bannon's not inside the White House right now. He's trying to talk to allies within the White House, allies on Capitol Hill that can maybe push the president in this direction. But um, but that's that's Bannon no longer is, you know, the the has the stature that he used to when it came to being the person that whispered in the president's ear about everything. And that, of course, you know, goes back to last summer, the fire and fury book, then right. leaving the White House, and all of the bad blood that still exists there, which potentially mitigates how much influence Bannon can have over the president and his allies to listen to him and put this sort of a plan into effect. Mm, the political stakes of doing so are very yeah. high. So there you have it. Um, now on the line, we uh, have our, our special guest, um, the business executive and author of Conventions That Made America, Michael W. Capick. How are you, sir? Hey, how, how are you doing, Roy? Doing well, thank you. Um, it's great to have you on. Um, a real pleasure. Um, I, I remember I met you um, at the conservative conference a few weeks ago. That's, and, that's right. Um, yeah, and I got your book, and uh, definitely very interesting. And, uh, you know, it, it, it makes total sense, absolutely, 100%. And, and I want you to kind of, you know, I don't want to give too many spoilers away. I want you to kind of, you know, uh, to actually, before you start talking about the book, I'd love to hear, like, your background, you know, like, um, you know, what, what, how it all started, your life story, you know, and business and politics. <laughs> Seems like you're heavily involved in you know, uh, all the pro-Trump stuff. So I'm, I'm really curious. I, I, I love to hear it. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm retired uh, from business and uh, worked in engineering and manufacturing and did a lot of management over the years. And like most people, didn't have much time, was interested in politics and what was going on, read the newspaper, watched the TV news, uh, but couldn't do much. Uh, when I retired, I, I became really... Uh, frustrated as most of us have been with this runaway government uh, becoming yeah. just too too darn big, and uh, and when I saw a solution for doing something, uh, the Tea Party was out there, a few other things were out there, but somebody came along, Convention of States, and they actually can make a change. Uh, and so, according to Article Five of the Constitution, when uh, the founders put it together. 
they knew at the time that any good uh, administrative tool that they were putting together, which the Constitution is, it's just an administrative tool, tells us how the government is to work, that there has to be a way to modify it. So no business goes into business without thinking, I have, to, I have to have a way to be able to modify what I'm doing, change our course if as time goes on. Right. Excuse me? Right. Absolutely, 100%. So, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so we, we've got that, and we've done it 27 times through Congress in Article 5 but we've never been able to accomplish it through the state legislatures, which is the second clause of Article 5, which allows two-thirds of the states, uh, once they, once they call, uh, call for a convention, to amend the Constitution, to propose amendments to the Constitution, I should say, uh, that, that that is available to us, the people, through our state legislators. Uh, we have actually three centuries of history of us doing, not amending the Constitution, obviously, but uh, having conventions, these meetings of getting together and solving a variety of problems, including the con- the Constitution. Uh, so it, that's uh, it's, it's difficult to go in and talk to legislators who uh, and, and patriots and, and activists who are very uh, uh, believe in the Constitution, but don't know that the entire history. When I retired ten years ago. I did not know this history. I got involved with this five years ago and became state director for the Convention of States and had to learn everything that there is about this this history uh, that we have. And there's been lots of tomes put together. So what I did with my book, because I got frustrated with the people saying, we've never done this before, so we don't know how it's going to operate. Could somebody not open the Constitution, take something good out, and put something evil in? And the answer to that is very unlikely, no, uh, because of the history that we have. Uh, so my book I took from the tomes starting back in the 1600s all the way through 2017 and highlighted uh, about 38 or 40 conventions uh, that, that have all gone successfully, the most notable ones. There have been hundreds of other ones, uh, but there's lots of footnotes in there so people can do further research. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely insightful. And, uh, you know, just, you know, what, what, um, what have you, what brought you, go, Steve, go ahead. You had a question. No, I'm listening. Go ahead. Continue, please. Okay. I just wanted to, um, basically, basically ask you, um, Michael is, you know, how did you did you put this all Mike. together? How did you put this all together? Um, you know what brought what brought this? You know, obviously, the, you know, the idea for the book. I mean, obviously, you know, the 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 this this whole the you know the law and everything that the you know what's going on with the what's the constitution and everything. But putting this together, how long of a process was it for you and all that stuff? It took almost a year to put it together. And isn't anything that I created, it came from constitutional scholars and historians. So I researched their work and pulled out uh, their words and uh, their analysis and was looking specifically for the administrative side of these uh, conventions. 
during the founding era, era, we used to have conventions every three to four years. They, they were very yeah. common. That's why you don't see any reference in Article 5 to the convention process, because they all knew how it worked. So why would you <laughs> want to write something down that you already knew about? So I, right. I put, pulled together all the administrative tasks, things like, well, how, how many people, how many delegates will go from each state? Or how will the elect, how will the voting go? Or how will they make rules up? So all of that information is was pulled out of the actual records of these uh, conventions as they were held over the last 300 years, and just put down in a simple, real quick chapter so you can look and see what actually happened. And you have reference information to go to go trace that back to see where it actually came from, who who found that record, and so on. So uh, yeah. when you when you talk about President Trump. And what he's trying to accomplish, I mean, I, I couldn't uh, be happier with where we are today. However, I am also scared to death of where we are today because I do not believe as, as much as he's going to try to be able to do things, he's slowing down the slip that our country has gotten into. But um, he cannot solve the problem by himself. We have to, uh, people, through our state legislatures, the only way to solve it, what we're talking about with President Trump right now and your show tonight, you're talking about policies. In order yeah. to get good policies, we have to first change the corruption uh, and the culture that's in D.C. And the only way to do that is to modify the foundation, the structure that is that it sits on. And by, and by proposing amendments to the Constitution, we can do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, this is one. one yeah, this is Steve Emery. I've got a. I've got a question. This is uh, Steve. I'm in Arizona. I'm with Bikers for Trump. Uh, appreciate you being on the show. Um, I've, you know, we've 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 gone back and forth with this discussion, this Article Five Convention of States. I've got a lot of uh, followers that believe that it might, in fact, open up a can of worms. Now, I got a lot of people that are, you know, very for it. I got a lot of people that are very against it. Uh, Regarding the can of worms that this might open up, can you reflect on that, that worry, that concern that a lot of Americans have? Can you reflect on sure. that, please? Sure. Um, the, the idea that, uh, excuse me, the idea oh, that, go ahead. that uh, something that would be a runaway, for example, which is a common uh, statement, uh, or that it is a con-con that we'd be rewriting the Constitution. Uh, constitutional Con-con stands for Constitutional Convention. A lot of folks say, well, that's what this would be. Uh, so they just open the Constitution up. And there is nothing in the Constitution, and it's only 4,400 words, so it's a real easy read. There's nothing in the Constitution that allows anybody to rewrite the Constitution or do another con-con. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only con-con we've ever had was in 1787. Uh, so that's, that, it, it, it's just not possible. It does say in Article 5 that, this, that, the, uh, that the Congress has the, with two-thirds of Congress of both houses deem it necessary, they shall propose amendments to the Constitution or on the application of the legislature of two-thirds of several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which in either case and so on reads through the ratification. We have had now speaking of now speaking of these uh 
potential amendments, obviously being the author of the book, you've got so much feedback. Um, could you specifically describe exactly what type of current amendments are being discussed? Okay, the history, yes, I can. Uh, the, the history of conventions is that, uh, and part of what each of these conventions is reported in the book out of, from, the, from the records, shows that they all went there with one subject, one idea. And so they could only solve one particular problem. And when other problems were introduced, they were, uh, every time they were introduced, they were rejected. Uh, something outside of the subject. So when they, when they brought us the, the topics, the topics today are for limiting our government. So everything that President Trump is fighting against and, and, and having, uh, you know, D.C., the swamp, a convention of states could propose amendments to the Constitution that would do a number of things to change the culture uh, besides term limits on Congress. It's also possible to put term limits on the Supreme Court. We can put a cap on spending and uh, taxing. For example, we couldn't, uh, the Constitution said that uh, with two-thirds of the states, uh, well, with, uh, let's just say they decided uh, 17% of GDP would be the limit for spending and taxing. Then that means what about Congress lobbying? could not spend beyond that. Maybe, 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 maybe an amendment on lobbying too. That is turning all our, uh, you know, congressmen and senators into, you know, puppets to those other than the American citizens. It seems like everyone's, yep. uh, seems like everyone's getting rich off foreign lobbyists, sir. And my my people are telling me the same thing. Term limits was always number one, but we have a lot of concerns, at least in my circle, of. Of lobbying and the, the 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 amount of money that's going into the pocket of these uh, political officials that is we feel is sincerely seriously corrupting them. Right, and I agree with you, uh, and that's why changing the culture. You, you start the culture change. This is not an instant flip the switch. It's going to happen, but assuming that uh, we were to hold a convention in the next couple of years, and one of the convention amendments was proposed by the convention, and then Three quarters, uh, three quarters of the states all agreed to it was term limits on the Senate and the House of Representatives. That would probably take another year or two. It would begin the shutting down the uh, K Street uh, crew, if you would, the, the lobbyists that you mm -hmm. referred to. Also, they could be put limits in, in, that, in that convention. You put limits in those amendments that said anybody leaving the Congress could not get into another federal job. So as they do now, they leave Congress and immediately they're hired as a lobbyist. Well, you could outlaw exactly. exactly. So, yeah, mm -hmm. there's another another uh, potential, uh, and I think one that's, that's really pretty good uh, myself, personally, this is my own personal opinion, is the ability to put a, a for limiting government that would put a, uh, an amendment before the states to approve that said that if two-thirds of the states or some number like that agreed that the uh, U.S. Congress just wrote a law that they did not like, it would be immediately avoided. For example, if Obamacare was to be done under this, under this amendment, 
and two thirds of the state said they didn't like that, it would it would be dust. Or two thirds of the same group decided they didn't care for a Supreme Court's ruling on the definition of a marriage. That would also go. Or Roe versus Wade. Whatever. What, what you know you could. If two thirds of the state, what this does is it brings back to the people and their states the power of the federal government. The federal government since 1913 has been growing and into the 30s and then into the 60s, it became exponentially large and to the point where it, it's they rule us and that's upside down. We used to rule them and it's time for us to take that back. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, uh, he, my, Mike, you make a great point in the book. Um, when you mention that, sorry, my throat was a little caught up. Uh, the Federal Register logs new rules and regulations daily. Annually updated, they have totaled to over 90,000 pages covering every imaginable rule and regulation that Congress or federal agencies codify. How re- over the last eight to ten years, the government has required over 600 rules to be implemented that cost over 100 million each. The annual cost to Americans has been estimated at two trillion, with a T, 15,000 households by Competitive uh, Enterprise Institute, which is a yeah, a, a good wow, Jesus, wow. Yeah, that's um, so. That's another issue that we, the Americans, can say um, that we can put limits. Right now, the EPA, as an example, the EPA comes out and says uh, you must do an environmental impact study on what you're doing, uh, whatever it is. If you're going to put a, uh, a small pond in your backyard, you have to do an environmental impact study. That could cost thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds, millions of dollars to do and take years to, to accomplish. Okay, this is flipping the, the chart on them, flipping it upside down and saying, okay, EPA, number one, we want you to meet your, um, your, your mission statement every year and prove to us that you accomplished that last year before you get your budget. Second, if you want to uh, require uh, some other, like we're going to get rid of, like they did last year, two two years ago during the Obama administration. We're going to get rid of all the coal companies. EPA has to put out an economic report, impact report, defining what it is that they expect to see out of this. So we make the government accountable to us, not the other way around. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Thank you. So, so, yeah. So going after... Gianni, you had a question? Hi. Yeah, I just got on. Oh, Gianni from New York, everybody. Um, he, uh, he had a question for you, Mike. I think. Okay. Oh no, I was just I was just listening in. Oh. Okay. Hmm. All right. Thought you had a question. Okay, uh, Mike, uh, continue, please. Sorry about that. Oh, that that's all right. Um. So there's there's a there's a number of things um, that that can be done and. But part of the problem, part of the, the, the real problem in doing this, first off, there are like nine groups across the country today that are attempting to hold a convention of states. Uh, the BBA task force, that's the Balanced Budget Task Force, 
is a group of people that have 28 of the 34 states uh, signed up to do this. The Congress has the information from those 28 states. They just have to get to the 34 and pulls the trigger, and they can go sit down then and call uh, and uh, discuss all the states, all 50 states will go to that convention and sit down and discuss how to balance the federal budget and what the constraints will be and everything else. It will, as other conventions have, have been able to do this, the same way they, they will do it again is the way they've done it in the past. Um, so, but there are a lot of folks who say, as uh, I think it was Steve said a few minutes ago, there are people out there who are, they're, they're not ignorant. That's not the, the right way to, to say this. They're just not aware of the history. And trust me, they're not the uh, – I was in the same boat until I began to learn and research this. Uh, and once once I decided to write the book, I had to get knee-deep into it. So I've done a lot of research, a lot of looking, a lot of reading. And I have found that, in fact, we have done this going back, beginning back in the year 1215 at the Magna Carta. And then to, through England and finally to the U.S. and the Pilgrims. Uh, the Mayflower Compact, then getting into the 1639, I think it is, and 1684 um, with Indians and uh, some of the things that were going on then, all the way up uh, through the Constitution and into uh, the the next, the, the post-constitutional era, uh, where we began to have fewer conventions, but very um, uh, important ones, just the same. Uh, 1861, was a convention in in the Willard Hotel in Washington D.C. that was an attempt to stop the Civil War before it began. Unfortunately, by the time they got the convention together, seven states had already seceded. Uh, at the same time, in eight, in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, the Confederate Constitution was being written at a convention in uh, 1850. Actually, the beginning of the uh, uh, Civil Rights Program. And the South's rise to stop it was started at a convention in Tennessee. Uh, in 1889, uh, St. Louis held a convention that was actually the forerunner of the uh, antitrust acts in Congress the following year. 1922 was the Santa Fe Convention that created the uh, Colorado River uh, Compact that gave water to the Southwest the United States. So we've, we've done this, 2016 in, in Virginia and 2017, September of 2017. It's, it's online. You can see this. You can watch how the convention operated in Phoenix, Arizona, where uh, the BBA convention task force met in a convention of states to propose rules for the amending convention that will, be a come, will come about just as soon as they get the next six states lined up. So... Um, if, if you know to learn to to understand what we've done is to learn our history, and uh, I, I don't pretend to to be a, an expert. I am just picking up what I read, what I found through my research, and put it together in a hundred pages. Um, and it's and, I'm, and I'll tell you where you can find the book. Um, you can find it at conventions that made America. A Brief History of Consensus Building. You can find it at huntforliberty.com in either a Kindle version or a print version. 
Excellent. Very good. Um, yeah, it's a um, yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting, and, and you're right. It definitely you know shines a lot of light, and uh, you know gives people insight about history and uh, you know what's going on, and, and some of the some of the uh, concerns that are definitely still there. Yeah, absolutely. People are afraid of what they don't know. And right. once they know, then they understand, oh, I see, we've done this before. As long as they're open-minded. Uh, if they're not, they'll never agree to it. But uh, that, as our history shows, even during the Revolutionary War, we didn't have 100% of the people behind it, well, maybe 10, 20, 30%, something like that. So but getting to know what we, what, where we have been was yeah. eye-opening to me. And I thought, well, I just need to put this down in this book when I first saw it. Yeah. So that's what it was for everybody. It's an easy yeah, read. The, it's boring. With the corruption we have in government, with the, you know, the establishment elites, you know, and the rhinos, and, and these people have been in government for so many decades, what is the likelihood of getting this uh, majority consensus uh, today? Say, 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 for example, on term limits, because we well, talked earlier about, you know, the fear of this government becoming so large, and, and, it, and that's exactly what's happening. It's a runaway government of uh, bureaucrats. What is the likelihood of getting that uh, a consensus, that majority, um, for something, say, of term limits? Have you researched that, sir? Yes, Um Remembering uh, way back, the first 140, 50 years, uh, our country was operated by the states uh, and the people. So the the pyramid of power, if you will, the people are at the bottom uh, of the, the the foundation of the power structural structure, and the the first group of people that they have that are answerable to them are their state legislators, house and Senate, if they're by Carmel. Uh, the second group of people that they had in this first 150 years was the house of representatives. So they could go to their state legislators, house or Senate, or they could go to the U S house congressman. At that time, the Senate was uh, selected by the state legislatures. So if the people didn't like what the state senators were doing, they went to their state legislators. And if enough people went in and, and raised hell with them, the state legislators would do something with the Senate, the U.S. senators. In, in 1913, we did three evil things in this country, in my opinion. We created the Fed. We passed the sixth Congress passed the Sixteenth Amendment, and three quarters of the states uh, ratified it. That gave them federal, the D.C., the power to tax us and take our income. The second thing they did was that they took the vote uh, away from the state legislatures and gave it to the to the people as a national popular vote, and that took power away from the states. That the, that the first 150 years that we had uh, consistent GDP government uh, spending for GDP was running 2 to 3% for 150 years. After that time, 
the government began after 1913 the government began growing and it went steadily up until we got to the late 60s and 70s and then it began to go astronomically up so um the, the corruption was built in, is built in to the system the culture has to change anybody uh, and I've seen this happen with legislators that I thought were really good people. When they got to D.C., they got turned. So I don't see a solution other than limit the time that they can be there, limit the amount of money that they can spend, and limit the fourth branch of government, the federal uh, uh, alphabet agencies. Limit them. If we can do those three things, we will turn the government back to us given back to our to the people through our states. Why send your back money back to the people and back to the states? Do you think why give your money from the states to the to the federal government? Just keep it in the state. So we're we're in a pretty perilous position then, aren't we? With the legislators yes, actually designing laws inside to to protect exactly this from happening. So that's really scary. I mean that's really, really scary. Well, here's the thing about Article 5. Here's the thing about Article 5. The Congress, the governor, uh, the president have no say. It's strictly a state-operated procedure. It has nothing to do with Congress other than the time and place that they can set. They have no input. The president has no input, and the state's governors have no input. There are 12 states already on the COS You say there's eight organizations pushing this. Which one or two are the strongest? Right now, the, the, no, the, the BBA task force has got the most states, 28. The Convention of States Project, which is the one I was involved with, has 12 states. And then there are some other groups behind that with four or five states. There is one group, one, one group in that, that mix um, it's called the uh, the Wolf Pack, and it's uh, it's after Citizens United. I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's after the Citizens United. Okay. They want to re, re they want to overrule the Supreme Court. Now that's a group that is run by the group called Wolf Pack. And if you recall, if you're familiar with the Wolf Pack, they are a very left wing uh, operating group run by the by the Young Turks. So there's a, there a left-wing group that's trying to have a convention of states. They know they can't do it through any of the others. They can't get in there and, and write something else into, say, uh, the BBA that they want to override. Uh, if the BBA held a convention today, they couldn't step in there and say, all right, we want to override uh, uh, Citizens United. It would be thrown out. They'd be laughed at. It just couldn't happen. So, and how do you feel you know, the momentum yeah. behind this? How do you feel the momen- momentum's going right now? Do you feel feel it growing at a pretty pretty good pace? Feel it building? Uh, up until 2017, the answer to that would be yes. But this year, we have seemed to have slowed down. Most of the most of the state sessions take place in January through March, and some of them are uh, go all year. But for the most part, the first few months of the year. And right now, there's very little to almost no activity. There's a lot of attempts going on, but a lot of people are saying, we've never done this before. We don't know how it will work. 
We're afraid somebody will take something good out and put something evil in. I'll give you an example. The state of Idaho, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, voted on the COS uh, project, their application for Idaho to mm-hmm. join in this group. And one of the representatives, she said, I did not vote to do this because in Idaho, we would send X number of delegates to this convention. And I don't know that California wouldn't send twice as many and outvote us. Well, if she had read the book, she would find that every for 300 years, every convention worked to the, or nearly every convention. They, there were attempts not to do it, but they ended up working to the one state or one colony, one vote. Regardless if California sent 150 and Pennsylvania sent three. One state, one vote. A small state gets as much power as a big state does. Creating a fair yeah. playing field, fortunately. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's all, and it's all for the American people. I mean, it's giving the power back to us rather than these political snakes that uh, are, I mean, we see all the corruption that goes on. It's no, it's no secret. I mean, it's just, it's a lot, it's so disgusting. Once people get in political power, they, you know, get all these donors, get all this money, this special interest money, this dirty money from different corporations. I mean, it goes on and on. If you really want to help Trump, and I, I, I think everybody here does, the only way to do it is if he pushes this ball uphill, at some yeah. point we've got to put a cog in the road to stop it from rolling back down. And it's going right. to take these amendments to the Constitution to do that. So as much as he's struggling, it's up to us to make sure that he is successful and that whatever he accomplishes can't be turned around by putting term limits, by putting this other stuff in place. So everything that he's doing is good, but he can't solve the problems. We have to put the cogs to stop the ball from rolling back downhill. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, they can't, we, um, you know, we're, there's more of us than there is of them. Let's just say that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I mean, we already, you know, we already, see, we're starting to see it. I mean, I, mean, I, I feel, and Trump has mentioned this in his political campaign and throughout, you know, different speeches of possibly, of possibly looking into putting term limits on these senators and these people in Congress and these people, just these people that are, you know, the unlimited term limits. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Why should a president only get to have eight years and every, all these others get unlimited? I mean, it's absurd. Yeah. But I like the the absurdity. I like the idea about the Supreme Court limits. I mean, look at Ruth Ginsburg. Oh, get her out of there. Oh, God. She's so old and demented, she's she's lost her mind. But who's going to change that? Sorry? No, who's, Go ahead. Who's going to decide? Was Congress going to decide that they want to limit their own spending or that they want to limit their own time, their own time there? No, they're not. No. No, they're not. This is ridiculous. It, it really is, and and you know, I, 
I, I certainly hope that, um, you know, there's certain laws put into place that, I mean, I mean there's ways to do it. I mean, there's ways to do it. it it's gonna, it'll take a while, but I do see it happening at some point where there will be limits. I don't, I, I just, there's so many people that are speaking up that, you know, for instance, we've had John McCain for all these years, and he's nothing but a – I mean, he, it's complete misery with this guy. I mean, I can't stand him. Every, and most of Arizona can't stand him. I don't know how he, he kept getting elected. The uh, establishment. Yeah, the yep. status quo. So only thing, we want to change thing, the establishment, it, stand? Yep. Yeah. That's right. It's, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that um, – yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It really is. It's um Let me ask you a question. Is there any uh, methods available other than Article five convention of states uh to impose term limits, sir? There are there is an argument um that says that yes we can do we can um change the uh, D C culture through the tenth amendment and through nullification. Excuse me. Um, however, the Tenth Amendment is is merely a principle, whereas an action item in Article Five is you can do this, or you should do this. Um, so there's a difference between the Tenth Amendment and Article Five. But if some people are claiming that, well, let's just nullify. If you tried to nullify those ninety thousand pages every year of code that were written getting all 50 states to agree to do it at one time. Um, Not going to happen. Centuries. Yeah, it ain't going to happen. That's no. right. So go, don't go to a principle. Go to a, 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 a device that says you can do this to change that. And that's so true. Tool, so true. An actual tool that was provided for from our founders foreseeing this exact situation, I'm sure. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, and the fact that there's that many, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's absurd. 90,000, 90,000. There's another article I just was reading. I haven't read it yet, but the number is getting bigger rather than smaller. We were hoping that Trump would have slowed some of that down. It's it, He's doing what he can, but it yeah. the swamp is big. We don't have it three is. branches of government. We have four, and we have to rein in the power and jurisdiction of that fourth branch. And the amount of uh, – sir, sir, do us a favor. You know, when you talk about the branches of government – the legislative and the judicial and the executive, and then you talk, uh, you, you're mentioning this fourth branch of government. Could you describe to our listeners exactly what you mean by that? The fourth branch is composed of the uh, alphabet agencies, the FDA, the Education Department, the EPA, the IRS, all, all of those, there's 360 out of different agencies um, mm-hmm. in, that are that are there. The latest one is the Consumer Protection Group um, that was put together, and it was not put together by uh, Congress. It was put together by a political group, and 
all of its all of its authority and spending power comes from the Treasury Department. Congress has scary. no way to touch it. Scary, we we the scary. people are not being represented. So the other yeah. thing, the EPA, you would remember two, three years ago, decided to change mm-hmm. their mission statement from the waters, the navigable waters of the United States to, um, what was it, all, um, all the navigable waters of the, the United States, all waters of the United States is what they tried to change it to. That would give them permission to look at a pond or a puddle in your backyard and decide whether or not you were violate, in violation mm. of their law. We, we all saw that. Yeah, that was insane. That's just, so that's insane. Those yeah. are the kinds of things. That's the fourth branch of government. It's a fictitious name, but it, it's uh, – it's a ghost, if you will, but it is a reality. Um, we don't like to talk about it, but it's there, and it is not representing we the people. It doesn't even represent Congress. Congress has, if Congress wants to stop them, write a law in order to stop the, the branch that belongs to the executive. Yeah, and these are alphabet agencies that you've mentioned have become just like you said, uh, extremely powerful and well-funded. So really scary, man. Really scary stuff. It is. It is. It's up to us. Are you going to have a second revolution, the second 1787, 1776? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a reality. It's there's a lot of There's a lot of three percenters and patriots out there that they're, they're ready, you know, and uh, – and, you know, and it's not you, outside the realm of possibilities, the second revolution. And, my, and Mike, what Mike, what you mentioned about the swamp earlier, you know, and that's and that's years and years of building up in Washington, all these people, all these cre- these snakes. I mean it's it's such a dirty place that has been built up and built up and built up. I mean it's so deep and so long. I mean it's the list goes on. 1913 was the birth uh, date of yeah. the swamp. Yep. Yep. It's, Explain uh, that yeah. birth of the swamp in 1913, please, Mike. I'm sorry, say that again? You said the birth of the swamp in 1913. Once the Fed came into power to uh, manipulate the dollar, and then once the uh, IRS came into power in 1913, uh, and the Senate, the states lost their sovereignty. The states today have become uh, agencies of the federal government. They've lost their sovereignty because the senators Mm. are not held responsible to the states. Each state had two senators, and the the states were – Controlled the Senate, U.S. Senate. They don't. They don't do that today. And we, the people, do a lousy job of it. So we need balance. Interesting. Where and balances comes from. Fascinating. It truly is. It, it truly is. And um, you know, it, it's it's something that it is so. Um, go so far back in time it's like all of the corrupt things that have happened i mean it, it, it's it's it gives you goosebumps just thinking about it 
you know, everything that's uh, occurred with with these political figures. Yeah, it, it's a, you know, it's it's all the beasts inside the swamp live on each yeah. other and us. Um, all they yeah. do is come to us for money, and if anything yeah. goes wrong, like the '07 collapse. Uh, they just take our money and respend it and redistribute it and, and uh, take care of themselves. We send them there. They don't listen to us. They haven't, you know, eight times Republicans or eight forty times, whatever it was, Republicans voted to get rid of Obamacare uh, while Obama was yep. in office. Once he's out of office, they have lost their way. They're all blind. They can't. They don't know which way to go. Who um, sent them there to do? So. Let's take the jobs away. Let's take the culture away from them. Absolutely. I'm with you. So so true. Term limits. Um, I love it. Term term limits all the way. Um, Well, Mike, we're going to have to let you go, but uh, it was honestly a great pleasure having you on. Everybody, to all our listeners, you can buy Mike's book. It's Conventions That Made America. Um, Mike, tell everybody where they can buy it. At the website, huntforliberty.com. 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 All righty. Mike, it was an honor having you on. Yeah, it was an honor having you on. Um, We look forward to uh, having you back on soon. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you, you, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. That was incredible. Take care. Bye. That was incredible, Roy. Man, I'd love the guests you're having on, the insight and the research now we have, and the information. Now we, uh, now we have Josh Bernstein on for the Josh Bernstein Show. Are you there, buddy? I am. Which Mike did you have on just now? Uh, we had Mike Capick. He just wrote a book called uh, Conventions That Made America. Right, right. Okay. I know who he is. I know who he is. actually did an event in uh, Sun City, West Arizona, for AMAC, and um, I was the MC of the event, and uh, he was uh, one of the delegates for AMAC. So I got a chance to meet him in person. Yeah, yeah, very nice guy, very nice guy. Gave us a lot of good insight, uh, you know, wrote a good book, definitely a good book. Um, it, was, it was good to have him on and, uh, you know, hear what he had to say. Definitely a lot of good, great stories. Uh, but what's going on? Uh, we got Josh, though. I mean, your show's doing very well. You're on Amazon. You're on Hulu. You're on Roku. You're on all different platforms. You're on different news media outlets doing interviews, all these conservative sites. I mean, Josh is doing big things right now. Tell us what's going on, Josh. And I heard you have inside sources of a lot of things that are going on. So please fill us in. We are very excited to have you. <sighs> Well, yeah. The first of all, the Inspector General report um, that came out today. It came out earlier this afternoon. Uh, I'm actually in the car. I'm not home, so I don't have the report in front of me. But basically, what it says is it talks about McCabe and all of the things that he did and the lack of candor that he uh, that he shown. And ultimately, he was under oath many times when he lied you know, point blank, and uh, the inspector general kind of put it out there that he has been uh, in in infractions with, uh, I'm trying to think what it is, FBI code 2.6 or something like that. So he's uh, 
misrepresented the FBI. He's given false statements. He's given false testimony. He has changed his story uh, on at least one or two different occasions, according to the Inspector General's report. Uh, it's a very interesting report. If, if you, if we can wait another five or ten minutes when I get home, I can go through it with you because I have all the documented information. But the other thing is, uh, is James Comey. You know, the media is sitting here talking about him and his new book, which I'm calling uh, a, a higher disloyalty, because that's basically what it I mean, is. And it's the biggest, you know, great. I mean, yeah, it's called yeah, a higher have- loyalty, is what his book is. But I'm calling it a higher disloyalty. And right. ultimately, <laughs> what you're finding out from this book is he basically admitted, which is unbelievable. I mean, you would think his publicist would have said, James. You probably don't want to throw that in there, but he did anyway. He actually says in his book that he did not prosecute Hillary Clinton because he believed all of the left-wing, left-wing polling that showed that Donald Trump had no chance to win and that he was going to be up, you know, she was going to be up by 15, 20 points. And so he bought into the lies of the left-wing media, and he said, being that she's going to become president – I don't want to taint her with an investigation and have her under indictment when she starts her new presidency. So he actually admits, imagine that, he actually admits that he put political, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, in front of justice. You know, he actually politicized the FBI to the point where he wasn't going to prosecute her and instead exonerated her all because he believed the left-wing lies in the media that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And he says in his book that because of that, he did not prosecute her. And that really, truly should be the big story. But yet we're hearing about the dossier again. We're hearing about Michael Cohn. We're hearing about all well, the other the here's a report. Here's a report today about the Michael Cohen. Now sources are saying Mueller may have seized recordings of Trump and his attorney Michael Cohen. So I don't like I don't like this I don't like when that kind of stuff comes out because first of all that's violating attorney client privilege. So there's a there's a there's a uh, uh, you could charge somebody right there right there just with that. And uh, it's totally uh, they're looking for Stormy Daniels. That has nothing to do with Russia. They're totally going outside what right. they were hired to do. Right, exactly. The bottom line is they can't find Russian collusion anywhere. Even Diane Feinstein, as left-wing as she is, has said the yeah. same thing, that they cannot yeah. find uh, any kind of collusion. So right. they're running out of options. So now this new thing is, well, we uh, we ransacked Michael Cohn's office. We took his uh, information and, and his uh his documents, and now we're going to try to figure out a way to do a campaign finance uh, violation, and they're going to try to get Trump on a campaign finance violation. It's so disgusting and so ridiculous. It really, it really is, Josh. You're absolutely right. But I want to be, I want to be straight with every, the whole audience right now. Uh, I'm going to say something real quick, what they found out about Michael Cohen. But Michael Cohen, they found out, arranged a $1.6 million settlement for a GOP fundraiser who impregnated a Playboy model. Um, 
I mean, there, there's these things that they're finding out about Michael Cohen. But let me just say something about Michael Cohen. I have never trusted the guy. I have not trusted the guy from day one. I think he's shady. I think he's I, – I just – there are certain things that are untrustworthy in characteristics. Uh, I just think there's something off about him. Uh, maybe – I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I have said this from day one. This isn't just now. I'm saying, uh, you know, Michael Cohen is a, a shady individual or seems, you know, like he would be kind of, kind of, kind of just, you know, not careful enough or just, you know, he's just not – he's not clever. Uh, and, and, he, and he's just a little um, – I can see how he could be two-faced. And I've said it ever since I first saw, saw him interviewed, which was a couple of years ago when uh, Trump first started uh, running. Well, look, I, I think that um, the two of them go way back. They're, they're very close. They've been right. very close friends for a long time. Uh, Trump has uh, used him on a lot of real estate deals. Uh, not on yeah. his bankruptcies. He, he used somebody else, David Friedman, on his bankruptcies, who actually happens to now be the ambassador to Israel. But um, he, he goes way back with uh, with Michael Cohn. And uh, Michael right. Cohn, you know, for all intents and purposes, is kind of a shady character. He always has been. Uh, and, you know, I think that this could this could damage the president. There, there's no question about it, because if he does uh. have these recordings, if he does have this information – they can try to get them on some kind of, you know, campaign finance thing. Uh, I don't think that it would be on anything with obstruction, of course, but I think it could be uh, a minor infraction like that. And uh, if if that is comes out that he knew about the payments to Stormy Daniels, yeah, he, he's in trouble. He'll be in trouble for sure. Here, here, um, Josh, I want to play you a clip. I played this clip earlier in the show. But Steve Bannon came out came out today and said he has a plan that may take down Mueller. CNN reported this, but it is it is factual. I looked around the different outlets; they're all reporting it. But listen to this; it's about a two-minute clip. I just want to hear your thoughts. Former Chief Strategist Steve Bannon, according to the Washington Post, in a story that's just breaking, he's now pitching a plan to try to cripple the Russia probe. Step one, according to the report in the Washington Post, is firing Rod Rosenstein. Joining us now by phone is the Post's uh, Karun uh, Demersion. Karun, thanks so much for being with us. So explain your reporting. What exactly is Steve Bannon pitching to West Wing aides? Well, this is my colleague Bob Costa's story, and um, basically it's that he's pitching this plan that would be, that would be a way to um, pick apart the, 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 the Mueller probe, basically. Starting with Deputy Gener- Attorney General Brad Rosenstein, he's the person who has authority over Mueller's probe. He's also newly come back into Trump's crosshairs because he had to sign off on that search warrant to actually uh, raid the offices of Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen. And then another part of this plan that, that Bannon is pitching is that the White House stop cooperating with the Mueller probe and start to exert, a, a, assert, excuse me, a rather broad interpretation of executive privilege that would even involve seemingly revoking some of the permissions given to our aides and others who have spoken to the special counsel's team already. Um, so he's basically saying the president should go to, to, to it, basically into political warfare over this um, by both taking off um, a person that has been the, the top official at justice with authority to oversee all of the parameters of this probe and also um, refusing to play ball and in a 
pretty broad uh, sense of, of, of with an executive privilege invitation that would cover more than just himself. Is there any indication that the president or anyone on his team is is listening to Bannon or inclined to listen to Bannon? It seems like where he is right now is he's in, in the stage of trying to corral allies to push this. Certainly that we've seen over the last few days that the president is itching to do something, not comfortable with the situation as it is. We see him issuing new statements almost every day. Um, but it seems like the president is reticent to quite take this step. And as it says in the piece, it's, it's, it's struck people like Bannon that maybe he's a nudge in that direction. They can provide that by by laying out this plan, which they think that they, it could actually work. But again, remember, Bannon's not inside the White House right now. He's trying to talk to allies within the White House, allies on Capitol Hill that can maybe push the president in this direction. But um, but that's that's Bannon no longer is you know the the has the stature that he used to when it came to being the person that whispered in the president's ear about everything. And that, of course, you know, goes back to last summer, the Fire and Fury book, then leaving the White House, and all of the bad blood that still exists there, which potentially mitigates how much influence Bannon can have over the president and his allies to listen to him and put this sort of a plan into effect. Mm, The political stakes of doing so are very high. What do you you think about that, Josh? (laughs) Well, my first thoughts are that the president should have never have gotten rid of Steve Bannon. He was the only uh, anti-globalist, nationalist type of voice that uh, was being consistently played into the president's ear. On the other side, you had Ivanka, which is you know a globalist, Jared, a globalist, uh, Cohn, a globalist, all these other globalists, Rince Priebus, a globalist, all these other globalist and you only had two real true conservative nationalists you had Stephen Miller uh, and then you had uh, of course uh, Steve Bannon my thoughts are that it's very simple to get rid of Mueller it's very simple and you don't have to fire him I've been saying this for probably eight months all you have to do is appoint a special prosecutor to look into Mueller's investigation that's the first thing you do The second thing you do is you instruct your Department of Justice to open up five simultaneous investigations. Hillary Clinton's email, uh, James Comey's leaking, Loretta Lynch's tarmac gate, Susan Rice's unmasking, and Barack Obama's spying. Done. That's all you have to do. And it'll drown out the Mueller investigation, and none of this will matter anymore. But I truly believe that President Trump's undoing and his one fatal mistake was taking a very safe vote out of the senate in alabama and making him attorney general because this attorney general has been an absolute disaster he then recuses himself from uranium one recuses himself from russia and he allows a deep state operative in rod rosenstein to take over the justice department and also appoint a deep state operative in mueller that has been the undoing of this president, and the longer this continues, the more likely he is going to be in in serious legal jeopardy. Now, did and, and you're absolutely right. And did you see the GOP launch this site today, LionComey.com? Yeah, I did. And you know, here's the thing: Comey is a liar. Comey actually he says is. in his book, and I have the paperwork now in front of me. I made a controversial email investigation decision to protect Hillary's legitimacy as president. Okay, this is what he is saying. And you think about it, 
He's basically put politics in front of, like I said earlier, in front of justice. He says that my concern about making her an illegitimate president by concealing the restarted investigation bore greater weight than it would have if the, if the election appeared closer or if Donald Trump were ahead in all the polls, but I just didn't know, end quote. So there he is. He's admitting right then and there. I, he believed the left-wing media. He believed the polling, which was obviously wrong and false. And therefore, he made a political decision over a justice decision. He should have went with justice and not political uh, maneuvering, and he should have prosecuted Hillary Clinton. Now, granted, he had a lot of help from McCabe and Stroke and, you know, and the others that you know, did all the things and changed the language and everything else. But the bottom line is he still was the head of the FBI, and he could have – prosecuted her and he didn't why because the cnn's and the msnbc's and the abc's and the cbs and all the other garbage out there lied to the american people created a false narrative that the head of the fbi believed and bought into and therefore this evil sick lying dying witch is still walking around free sickening oh i know it it really is. It, it's absolutely 100% sickening. And it, it, the fact that Hillary Clinton, oh, my God, it makes me it – it really makes all of us sick. And, you know, I, I really want to ask, ask you something very important, Josh, and you have the inside source. Yes. Uh, Trump just, um, you know, as of a couple hours ago, uh, hit Syria, hit the airport there. It blew up the whole airport, from my understanding. They're screwed. I mean, U.S. is not playing around. And, and there was a bunch of other damage. Can you explain everything, please? Well, from what I know is uh, this is a joint coalition effort between France and the U.K. Yep. Uh, as, as a matter yep. of fact, Theresa May had a lot of uh, preparation and planning in this, even more than, than the President of the United States, from what I'm hearing. Uh, and so this has been a, a mission that they're basically saying, look, you're not going to use chemical weapons and get away with it. Uh, we saw what right. he did very early on in his presidency when there was the first yeah. chemical attack. Now we see the second one here. And uh, Russia yeah. is going to sit there and say that they're going to blow our planes out of the sky or they're going to torpedo our uh, our U.S. Uh, Donald Cook or whatever it is. Give me a break. It's not going to happen. And if it did – it would escalate into such a nasty, nasty war. Uh, I don't think any side wants that. I think that um, the president has the legal authority, the executive authority to do what he's doing. He's, he's not declaring war, and nor is he doing anything that would consist of that. What he's doing is protecting the best interests of our country, and that's by eliminating a threat that has chemical weapons. Uh, I support what he's doing. I don't believe it's going to escalate into something more than this, but time will tell on that. I hear you. I, I, we have a caller on the line. Uh, thank you for calling to the Rory Sauter Show. Who am I speaking with? It's Mike from New York, gents. Sorry I'm calling in so late. Oh, no worries. Hey, hey uh, Mike, how you doing, man? We haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, yeah, you, uh, been, uh, what's going uh, on, man? Not much. We've kind of been kind of busy. We're feeding a couple of groups. Work's been keeping me tied up, but 
Yeah, I thought I'd call in and see what was being said about uh, the attacks. I'm, I'm monitoring some of our the soldiers. You know, some of the guys are on Facebook or private messaging back and forth, and everybody's real, talking real about quick. it. And, yeah, yeah, real quick, Mike. I just wanted to let Josh finish, and then uh, yeah, if you had uh, if you had a question. Cool. All right. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the bottom line is I, I don't expect these um, these air raids and things like that and these bombings to go on probably another maybe day, day and a half or so, and then I think it'll it'll stop from there. Uh, I know that um, Assad is holed up in a bunker somewhere right now in an in an area on one of his military bases with no windows, no drapes, no phone just sitting there, you know, wondering what's going to happen. Um, I know that we're not doing any kind of ground attack or anything like that. It's all just been air defense at this point. But who knows? I mean, if we get intelligence that he's located in one little area, well, maybe we ought to send four or 500 of our best down there and, and grab this guy and uh, and take him out, you know, on the ground. I mean, I'd be okay with oh. that. It would be wonderful to get rid of another, you know, regime another nasty, you know, uh, tyrant out there. Oh, I hey, Josh, uh, Josh, Steve Emery with the uh, Bikers for Trump. Uh, yes. Regarding the, the idea of taking out Assad, um, uh, my concern is the vacuum that it would create that we've seen mm-hmm. happening over the last 10 years around the Middle East and mm-hmm. what would come in, potentially come in to take that that space, that that vacuum that would be created with eliminating right. it could be Al Baghdadi or something. Yeah, I agree. It could be an ISIS fighter. I totally understand where you're coming from, but the people have suffered long enough. It's been 400,000 deaths in Syria that have died from this uh, sectarian violence and this civil war that's been going on since 2011. I would hope and pray that at some point the people of Syria want change and they want freedom of some sort or at least something that resembles a democracy. And who knows, maybe the new leader would be a better person. That's a crapshoot. I, I agree. I don't believe in nation building. I believe in nation, nation rebuilding, but I want them to rebuild their own nations. I don't want to rebuild their nation. I certainly want, don't want to do it with our money and I certainly don't want to do it with our lives and our treasure. But I think that this guy's a pretty bad actor, this Assad, and uh, I think the net net of getting rid of him would certainly be a, a more stabilizing force in the Middle East. Very good. Very good. I agree. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, I want to. I, I want to ask you. Uh, you know, Mike. You Mike. You had a question. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with everything everyone's saying right now. I mean, it's it's common sense, contrary to what a lot of we're seeing out there from uh, these pocket pundits that are out there commenting on it, anti-Trump stuff. Um, right. I, I think for him to make the move that they've got more than enough evidence that proves Assad's responsible for this, and uh, no country, no one is taking chemical weapons seriously. I, I mean, they don't they don't look at it as a joke. They take it very seriously. Especially anything with he made the move with the siren gas. Remember when that happened? Obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, that scares the devil out of any politician, any government. They don't want that. You, they don't want it. It's not acceptable. They don't want it to become acceptable. They don't want the terrorists getting their hands on it, and they're gonna, they're gonna, there's gonna be a footprint. They're gonna stop it immediately. 
And uh, Russia, once they see this evidence, I think Russia's going to stand down. And uh, I'd like to see the evidence myself. I agree that uh, Russia will stand down, especially from the, you know, far superior air power that we possess uh, as well. I mean, you know, we've we've got assistance here through the U.K. and France. uh, But overall, I mean, I'm sure that the majority of the might is coming from the U.S. Air Force, of course. But, um, you know, with just with our technology and our drones and everything else, I mean, we far uh, exceed, you know, the Russians and, and some of the others. And by the way, and I, I said this, I don't know if I said it on your show, but I believe in economic genocide. Now, when you hear the word genocide, you go, yeah. holy cow, he wants to kill everybody? No. Economic genocide means using America's might and power and economic prowess to take out these countries. I mean, for instance, in Russia, their economy is about the size of the country of Italy, okay? They're in stagnation uh, with the dropping oil prices. I know they've been on the rise a little bit lately here, but overall for the totality of the last couple of years of these oil prices being low, it's decimated the Russian economy, not to mention the sanctions that were put on from the annexation of Crimea. So you're talking about a Russian uh, government that uh, really isn't that powerful, nor has a lot of money. I think we, we could do a lot of damage by, you know, stripping them financially of all of their yep. worth and pretty much having it collapse. And that's what I mean by economic genocide. That's a term that I came up with because I want the people of Russia and Iran and North Korea and, well, unfortunately, North Korea is already starving, but all of these countries – I want them to, to be living in, in such a po- impoverished, you know, hopeless environment that their hunger pains and their anger is, you know, directed at their leaders, and they then in turn go and have nothing else to lose. They take out these regimes and they change their mm-hmm. own country so we don't have to. That is what I mean by economic genocide. I like that. I like that. And and we, we have we have about five minutes left. I do want to ask you, Josh, about a very important topic that has been in the headlines for the last couple of days. Um, so California, um, their voters mm-hmm. could decide uh, to split yeah, California I know you're going. <laughs> into, three, into three smaller mm-hmm. states. And I totally agree yeah, yeah. because you have lots of parts of California that are conservative, so this would be a, a bonus for the Republicans, this would help us. Well, let me let me explain a couple of things. Um, number one, the only way that California is going to secede—I don't think it's going to happen. Up, but well, yeah. it, it, let me explain. Let me explain. The only way that's going to happen is a 9.6 on the Richter scale on the San Andreas Fault or in the middle of Hate Ashbury. Okay. Now, I am no fan of California. I would love to see California split up. And the reason is, is because they have 55 electoral votes. New York has probably, I think, 38, and then I think Illinois has 20. So you take those three states, and you're already in the hole 70 to 80, 90 electoral votes before we even get a yep. sniff at a swing state, all right? So from that yeah. standpoint, I like it, right? But here's the problem. It can't happen, unfortunately. I it wish it could, it but it happen. can't happen. And it can't happen for one reason. The United States supremacy clause which says that we are all one country now let's just say that for argument's sake the 600,000 signatures they pass this 
uh, referendum, right, in November, and they vote to turn California into the three separate uh, states. First thing that's going to happen is it's going to go to the state um, Supreme Court of California. Now, let's just say for argument's sake that they decide to let it go. Okay, great. Now, all of a sudden, it's going to go to the Ninth Circus Court of Schlemiel's, as I call it, the most liberal court in America. Now, even as liberal as that court is, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they also allow this to stand. Now you've passed two courts. You're going, holy cow, this is actually going to work. And then you get to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they say, sorry, but it's the U.S. Supremacy Clause. And that's why, unfortunately, this is doing, you know what, uh, without a moist towelette. (laughs) I got Gotcha. Well said. Well said, Josh. I love having you on, man. Well said. Um, we got about two minutes left. Um, obviously, Josh, you want to uh, give your uh, plugs yeah. mention? Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm the uh, national spokesman for AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. We're the conservative alternative to AARP. So for folks that are 50 years of age and older, and if you have AARP, hopefully you don't, listening to this show. But uh, if you know people that do or if you want to get a, uh, a free membership uh, for AMAC, which, again, is the conservative alternative, it's for folks 50 years of age and older. Uh, it's a seniors-based organization, and we have all the same types of products and services that an AARP would have. The only difference is when we lobby on behalf of Washington and Congress, it is to provide seniors with more power, more choice, and, of course, more freedom in their healthcare choices and decisions. So check out amac.us or call toll-free 888-262-2006. And again, Rory, if you can put this on your page, I would greatly appreciate it. The number again is 262-888-262-2006, Tell them they heard Josh Bernstein on the Rory Souter Show. And we'll even give you a free membership, absolutely free. Just mention my name. You'll get a one-year free membership. You don't have to purchase anything. Even if you have AARP and you want to try something different, check us out at amac.us. Call toll-free 888-262-2006. If you want to learn more about me, you can find my show on Amazon Television. You can look up my Wikipedia site, or you can grab one of those things that we like to talk into that the NSA likes to listen in on your phone, and you can download my free app on Android or iPhone. Well said. Perfect. Josh Bernstein, always a pleasure having you on. We'll be having you on um, uh, every week. We want you on, so we'll have you on again next week. As I say, any topic, anytime. Okay, thanks, Josh. We love you, and thanks, no problem. thanks to all my callers. Love you, Steve. Thanks. Thank you, Gianni. And uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Roy. Good night, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a a great night. Take care. All right, everybody. I want to say thank you to all my listeners um, for listening to the Rory Sauter Show. Be sure to visit my website, makingchristianitygreatagain.com. Again, that's makingchristianitygreatagain.com. And visit my store, the DonaldJTrumpStore.com. Again, that's the DonaldJTrumpStore.com. And you can find me on all social media. Have a great night, guys. 
Happy Friday. God bless. Cheers. Much love. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.